and for podcasting. From the Jethro's Barbecue Studios, where Wednesday is Mug Day with $7 Cousin Cocktails, this is Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. The PSAs you hear in Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Hi, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Uh, Miller and Condon here on a Wednesday, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Trent Condon and Ken Miller were with you for the next couple of hours. Appreciate you spending some of your uh, morning here with us. BMW of Des Moines guest list. Looks like this. Bottom of the hour, we will talk to our bracketologist. He's also Gannett's bracketologist. He's Shelby Wag, bracket wag, Shelby Mast, bracket wag.com. Shelby Mast will join us at 1030. Take a look at his latest bracket. Who's falling? Who's rising? Who's on the cusp of being in that uh, first four out, last four in? That with Shelby Mast for the first time in the month of February. Uh, then our attorney, Nate Bolton, will join us, Hedberg and Bolton, Employment Law. He's also Senator Nate Bolton, and he will join us. Uh, at about 10.45 to take a look at Brian Flores' lawsuit that he filed against the NFL. We'll get to that in a moment because I think there's an aspect of this lawsuit that is not getting the coverage it deserves. And I'm not saying by any means whatsoever uh, that the main focus of the lawsuit should not get the long look uh, that uh, Brian Flores claimed uh, in court. It should. But there's another aspect of it I think is maybe even more damning or certainly as damning. And that's the fact an owner uh, is maybe, if there's corroboration, um, going to ha- be forced to sell his team. If he indeed said, you know what, lose these games, I'll pay $100,000 for each and every loss. Yuck. I want you to lose. This is bad. Yeah. This is terrible. This is what the end of the last thing the NFL needs. Well, both of them, quite frankly. But integrity of the sport is now in the crosshairs. Nate Bolton, 1045. David Kaplan, it's Wednesday. That means Cappy's here, and he will join us at 1145. The latest on the world of sports in the Windy City. Maybe the Snowy City. Have you seen the weather they're getting? No. Whew. They're getting walloped. I'm not there yet. I mean, I'm, I'm into my 40s now. I'm not weather guy like you. Yeah, guys. I just saw something online about... You love weather. Well, yeah, <laughs> I guess. Um, guilty, but uh, they're getting clobbered. By the way... Um, Speaking of Chicago, it's too early for Big Ten media days, right? I got to, yeah. yeah, right. We won't know if when football, if it's been not been announced that I missed. No, that's All usually right. more of a April May type of announcement gotcha. that we thought so, but maybe something was late. I just want to make my plans because well, we're going. Um, well, little problem. Oh, because state baseball gets done a week earlier this year. It usually goes into August this year. It ends earlier. It ends the 22nd. That following week is when we're doing family vacation, which could be Big Ten Media Days. Or So I should say I'm going. You're going. I would hope to go. I love going. Yeah, I, I so. hope that this schedule works, but just a heads up. Might be a solo mission for you over in Chicago. Okie dokie. Well, regardless, uh, keep an eye out for me when yes. that date is. What will you please? Uh, so we will talk to David Kaplan, 11:05, and then for the final time until well next August. 
Mitch Holtis, who's been with us for six months. Yeah. Let me think about that. Started the first uh, first day of August with the training camp reports mm-hmm. every day throughout the month of August and then weekly throughout the regular season and end of the playoffs. Uh, we're joined by the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. So we will put a bow on a season that uh, a lot of folks thought uh, would uh, have a little bit longer shelf life. Unfortunately, the Cincinnati Bengals uh, had other plans. So that's the show today. Of course, we'll get to the Kansas-Iowa State game from last night, where the um, shooting woes of Iowa State continue to show themselves. But since the game was uh, didn't go the way Cyclone fans wanted it to, I believe that they will be okay with us kind of bumping that to the bottom of the page uh, one of the sports section today because right at the top is this NFL story. And, and Trent, um, as much as the Rooney rule has been used and abused and manipulated, it was, I mean, look at This is not a new story. Th- that's correct. Now, to, 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 to Coach Flores' credit, he's going out on, a, on an island here. Yes. He is taking on the shield. Mm-hmm. And he's he better be prepared for the full onslaught of NFL high-priced attorneys to throw everything they possibly can at him. Uh, Whether he coaches or not, I mean, I I, I saw some clips from, I guess he made the rounds this morning, TV-wise, and and he realizes what he's up against, the fact that this may have ended his NFL coaching career, Mm -hmm. Um, but he's willing to go down that road. He's willing to take up this cause, uh, and he believes it's a worthy one, and he is putting his reputation and his future on the line, quite frankly, to fight this fight. And you have to give him credit for doing that. And we'll see how it goes. And it's a, it's it's something that needed to be addressed. I'm glad that it is. But the other part of this suit that I don't think is getting the coverage that and and it started to get a little bit more here today. But when I when I saw this for the first time yesterday, when it came to the Stephen Ross who owns the Miami Dolphins, and Brian Flores accusing the owner of offering Coach Flores $100,000 to lose games. Not one. Lose games. We need you to lose games. I need a better draft pick. Trent, sports wagering has is taking over the country. Yeah. It is. Now, it's not in Florida yet. It will be. It will be. They had a chance. Now, by the way, it can't come back on the ballot till 24. Leaving a lot of money on the table. Leaving a ton of money on the table. But it's legal in a whole bunch of states. Mm -hmm. And you can get on your computer and you can bet offshore, as many Floridians Floridians are doing, I'm assuming, right? Um, Or you can get on a plane and go to Vegas or any of the other states that I'm sure surround you. Louisiana is not far. Mm It depends where you live in Florida. Mississippi. Mississippi. Same thing. They both have it. But when the owner is offering a bribe, and that's what this is, to play the... Di- I mean, who knows what he's asking him to do? Play play guys that shouldn't start? Sit the starters? Um, have your play caller or your defensive coordinator do the extraordinary of making it easy for your opponent to win a game all at the behest of you moving up in the draft? Now, look, it's one thing for... Us as fans, and I'm guilty of it. I want the Broncos to lose when their season is hopelessly out of out, out of reach. You're not in an island with that. No, but... I know, right? And I have no say. Ken Miller in Des Moines or Ankeny, wherever he has this, it doesn't matter what he says or th- when an owner of a football team 
one of 32 franchises, is trying to bribe his coach to lose games. I can't wait to see where this goes because Trent, if it goes, if there is a third person that heard this, if there are a is a person, if there is a text, an email, and I would think that Ross would be smarter than that, but who knows? If there is corroborating evidence mm-hmm. to the fact that he is asking his coach to lose games, he has to sell his team. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He has to get out of the NFL business. This is tanking, and tanking became such a big part of the lexicon of the NBA and really fulfilled by the 76ers, what they called the process. process was we're going to be awful for a long time, we're going to accumulate these draft picks, and we're going to build upon it. Now, looking back on it, because of Ben Simmons' shortcomings, it hasn't exactly worked, but <laughs> right. Joel Embiid, mm-hmm. when healthy, he's as good as you're going to find yep. in the game. So we've seen this happen in other sports, but... Not in this direction, right? Not with this, and not when it's a we 16, know of. a sixteen game schedule, right? How many of those week seventeen games too have we seen in the past? Like, why are they even trying, right? But they do. Mm-hmm. They because do. They're pros because they're pros. Yep. Ultimately, that's what it is in this football. And if you're out there, and you're going half ass. You're going to get hurt. Yep. And maybe that's what makes it different. The basketball, eh, you know, you just out there take a couple jump shots, let a guy go blow by you defensively, and it's not a big deal. Football. It's a different sport, and because of that, it didn't feel like tanking as we know it was a real possibility. If this comes to fruition, like you said, if there is a paper trail of any magnitude, this is a terrible look. Receipts, Trent, if there are, look out. And Stephen Ross, who might be going after his guy at Harbaugh now. We'll see if the Vikings news uh, comes fulfilled there or if he's going to go out there because he says, well, if he's leaving Michigan, I want him to be my guy. Might not matter. Mm-hmm. because this is something big. This is the integrity of the game. Yep. And football, it just feels different than hockey and basketball. And even baseball to a certain extent, though, because of the way that, obviously, guys going through the minor leagues, it is different, that tanking possibility. Though the Astros, look what they did. A complete teardown and then a build back up and how that came to fruition. But just didn't see it. And I wonder how much more there is to this. Because you're right. That, to me, the takeaway there was... Maybe the most surprising, because you just you wouldn't think an owner would actually be going to his right. head coach and saying this right. and offering him money yeah. to lose games. Now Hugh Jackson's he, he's come off the former coach of the of the of the Cleveland Browns. He said the same thing happened with Hazlitt. Says the same thing happened to him, and he can back it up. So we'll see. This is now too, and, and look, because there's only 17 games. If you want to manipulate your roster, at least I know what your roster is, sure. right? But if I think your roster, you're going to uh, the, the roster, you're going to have the roster go out there and do their best to win a football game, as opposed as opposed to just outright gutting your roster. Okay, I know your team sucks. I'm going to bet against them. But I look at this roster. Yeah, this is a game you can win. But then your coach is on the take because your owner and he, and he wasn't. Mm-hmm. He was. I'm just saying, if this would have gone through, it's a terrible look. Uh, the lawsuit itself, the Rooney rule itself, yeah. Trent, it's been a sham. It's been a scam. Um, Bill Belichick, he's the last guy that wants to get involved in this. But those text messages, A, how did Belichick know what's going on with the inside the New York Giants? I mean, how does how does he know he that? defensive inform- coordinator. I'm going to guess he's probably still tight. I would anticipate. I, but I guess, but he's the coach of the New England Patriots. How does he know the business, the inner workings of one of the other 31 franchises? And apparently he did. Yes. And Brian Dayball was going to get this job, uh, and, and Belichick knew it three days before 
Flores' interview was even scheduled to take place, so he was walking into that interview with a legitimate chance to win this job, even if he wowed them. This was fait accompli, had no chance at this gig. Your Denver Broncos also involved in this lawsuit. And it's a bad look. Now, they've come out and they've denied it, uh, and we'll see. I mean, they they said that uh, uh, the lawsuit said that um, uh, John Elway and Matt Russell showed up an hour late for their the meeting with um uh, before they hired Fangio with Flores and Flores said they were disheveled mm-hmm. they looked like they hadn't been to bed they were clearly on an all-nighter <laughs> okay i mean i could see that matt russell not too many years ago was um was pulled over for drunk driving yeah so we know he likes to imbibe mm-hmm. uh, i've i've seen elway in bars when i lived in denver many times doesn't mean that he still does this many years later but who knows well, who knows if the shoe fits right right um it didn't seem like a stretch of that story either no it didn't seem like a stretch now that if if that was the you know, that's just one layer of it. I think a minor layer of it, and not because it's the team that I root for. If I thought it was more serious, I would say so. But the the whole Rooney rule that you have to bring in an African-American candidate or two, I don't know what it is now, uh, before you um, complete the hiring process. Look, you can say that's the right thing or that it's a privately owned business. That you should be able to hire who you want. I get it. But the league put the rule in place. Yep. So you have to follow what the league is asking to do, whether they meant it when they put the rule in place or not. And it seems like they haven't, right? Uh, and the lawsuit spells it out here today. Look, there's 75% of the league is African-American players. There's one coach. Mike Tomlin. One, one coach. One head coach. That's it. Also, GMs are part of the Rooney rule. And that is one thing that we did see during this hiring cycle is minority candidates mm-hmm. getting interviews and, and getting jobs. Most importantly, yep. getting jobs. Adolfo Mensa mm-hmm. up in Minnesota, polls at Chicago. So we saw at least that part of it appear to be opening up. But in 2022, when the Rooney rule was put in place, we said, all right, we're going to fast forward to 2022. And it's been be, about 20 years, is it yeah, not? Like, there's going to be one African-American yeah, coach in the game. It's not working. And he'll be with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right. No way. Nope. No way that would happen. Nope. And here we are. I remember talking about it when it was incorporated. I thought it was going to be a sham. This thing will never work. And um, I think Dyer had the same opinion I did. Anyways, um, Iowa State. Well, you know what? Let's take Jeff because I'm sure he wants to opine on the conversation mm-hmm. that we've been having. And then we'll get to Iowa State in Kansas. Jeff, welcome to the program. Thanks for being patient. What's on your mind? Ken, welcome back. I just want to say that, uh, you know, Trent does a great job. But, Ken, you are the godfather of talk radio in Des Moines. And uh, welcome back, and I hope you have many, many more years on the radio with Trent. Well, we're a great team, I think, if I do say so myself. And uh, our show's better when, when we're both here, whether, which, regardless of which host is missing. But thank you for the kind words, Jeff. I agree. Uh, so let's get into this real quick. Uh, first of all, I think we can all admit that the NFL and gambling are in bed together. Is that pretty safe to say? It is oh, now. Yeah. Big time. The, the NFL is in bed with gambling. Um, second... And I, we might disagree or agree. I think this goes on with with owners or GMs and coaches giving money or bribes or whatever. I believe this happens. This isn't the first time that that now this is the first time that we know. Mm-hmm. But I think this goes on more than we think. Yeah, uh, could be right. Now, now let's go deeper into this. I've heard this on plenty of radio shows. I've heard this on TV, on podcasts. The NFL is turning into entertainment. There's dollars. Now, I'm going on of a different tangent here, but it's pretty crazy to me when we start talking about owners giving money to coaches, 
Are we talking about, I don't want to say games being fixed, but when you watch a game, it's 21-3. Now it's tied. Now we're going to overtime, and now there's more dollars for commercials. We're, we're bringing more people to watch the game. Or, you know, you see these things, and forget about gambling aspect of it, but doesn't it make you go, hmm? Like, what just happened here? Now, I, I love the game. I love all games, football, basketball, baseball, all of it. But it's crazy how the NFL, more than others, there's these scenarios going on where it's just like you even hear, like, Al Michaels. Not talk about gambling, but you hear Al Michaels talk about entertainment and how we really want to keep all the, all the consumers or the fans locked into this game. And then all of a sudden, well, 14, 17 points in the fourth quarter, and you're like, what, what just happened here? You guys think about those kind of things, or am I over here on an island in La La Land. Well, well, to an extent, and, and Jeff, thanks for the call. As always, we appreciate your contributions. We're, we're, but I'll say that, that Jeff brings up a very good point. And I mean, go on Twitter after any Sunday, any Monday. No, for sure, son. Fixed. Yeah. Oh, come on. That's fixed. This league. And we would always fight that back, right? right? Yeah. Ah, oh, come on. You're out of your mind. How is. Well, now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, we've had a layer peeled back and we've got an owner. Who's admitting he's bribing? Well, okay. We don't know for sure. That's just This is one side of the story. Right. This is he said versus he said. But if this turns out to be true, then all those folks who I thought were the biggest idiots in the world, well, how are they getting this information? Did did the referees get to their room and there's an envelope slid under the door that we need you to do this, that, and the other? Or look the way in this play? All of a sudden, how can you fight back against those guys? One of the owners is fixing games. This is what I'd say. What's our Super Bowl matchup? Well, it's pretty, yeah, yeah, it kind of came out of nowhere. It's a Rams team that had an NFC championship game that was half full of 49er fans. Yeah. And the Cincinnati Bengals. Mm-hmm. Not exactly the most plushiest of teams No, it's teams not here. the matchup that NBC right, right. wanted. Sure. So when you go that route, now... I think the biggest one is another NBA one, and that is that Kings-Lakers, the meltdown in Game 6 into Game 7. The Kings had them beat. And then calls started to go the other way, and here come the Lakers, and instead of Sacramento in the championship, you get the Lakers, and yeah, you can get out your tin foil hat, and I understand yeah. that. But this one, if there was fixing going on, and we're, we're going to make these games tight and compelling, or get these great TV numbers, first of all, the NFL doesn't have to do that. No, you they already dominate. Anyway. Yeah. They're not going to do something like that. But, well, why didn't they do it wildcard weekend then? So they were going to do it for the divisional round and the NFC and AFC mm-hmm. championship round, but they didn't do it for the wildcard round. It just it seems too much. And if these things happen, and have been happening, we've never heard a peep from anybody. Yeah, it's just, that's right. Not, not one former player. Mm-hmm. I was told to take a dive. Mm-hmm. Not one player has ever come out, ever. We're talking about rosters of 53 guys, 32 teams. And not one has come out with that story. That was where my pushback would come from. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Uh, I'm with you. But you you cannot, I mean, the, the folks that will cry fixed when they lose their bet, you don't have as much ammo to, you know, to, to push back a little bit. Uh, so we, we'll see where this goes. But it's a, um, this was, yesterday was, I mean, the day started with Tom Brady walking away mm-hmm. from the game. And then to a smaller extent, maybe in the mountain time zone, the news that the Broncos are for sale kind of moved the needle a little mm-hmm. bit. But this, when this thing dropped, wow, look out below. Look out below. So when did this story come out? Which one? The Flores. Yesterday. Right, but what, what time? 
Do you remember oh, about? Oh, late afternoon, I yeah, think? Yeah, because I didn't see anything until I was getting my equipment set up last night for basketball, and I open up Twitter and just see my timeline just completely oh, saw fill. my text, we need to get Nate Bolton on today. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was a part of it, too. And you kind of read through the story, and at first, again, on the surface, it's, eh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's right. The Rooney Rule, as you said, mm-hmm. has been a sham, and owners have not used it in the way that it was intended, ultimately, but... We knew that. But then you get through that and those details that are in there. Mm. And and also what Flores is asking for. I, I think that's important, too. Black investors becoming NFL owners, speaking of your Denver Broncos, a real possibility there of a minority uh, ownership group that gets together there. Black players and coaches becoming part of the hiring process. I thought that was also one that said, yeah, you read through pretty much everything Flores is asking for in this lawsuit. They're all like, well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Makes sense. Have, yeah. <laughs> Require NFL teams to justify their hiring and firing decisions, the reasons behind it. And, of course, you get into the minority part of that, requiring NFL teams to supply comparisons in record and resume when interviewing coaches. I think that was Flores saying, hey, look at what I've done. Mm-hmm. And now I'm not getting a sniff. Incentivize the retention of black coaches in front of half of staff. And finally, pay transparency for coaches of all levels across the NFL. Well, here's what can't come out of this. I don't want to hear anything about an internal investigation. Oh, sure. Yes. Because they're really good at that, and they're really bad about that. Mm-hmm. Um, that shows nothing. Yeah, that shows absolutely nothing. Look, there's 650,000 emails with the Washington look inside, right? We saw a few of them. There was, it was a half-assed effort. They, they, they found what they wanted to find and, and didn't look where they knew that they would be some skeletons buried. We know that. Don't do an internal investigation. That's bigger than this. I hate to say it because I hate government and politics. I do. With a passion. It's not our strength. It's not our strength. And I hate when they cross. Although we're about to talk to a state senator. <laughs> but he's an attorney. Yes, yes. That's so I'll, why cut, so I'll cut our show some slack. Yes. But does Congress need to get involved in this? Do they need to be the ones that are looking into this? Probably. Right? Yeah. This is, this is, this is sports betting. This is an owner tanking, bribing a coach to lose. We move on. A couple of minutes on this. Shelby Mass coming up. Bracketwag.com. He's our bracketologist. Iowa State last night, Kansas. Uh, Noah Baji in the lineup. Wilson did nothing in the first 20 minutes. Nope. All 13 of his points came in the second half. Look, it was another one of those nights, right, where Iowa State is, they got one guy that can shoot, and that's Brockington. And when he's not having, and he wasn't bad, don't get me wrong. Um, but the whole team struggled to make threes, with the exception of Trey Jackson. Boy, he's having a nice little run here. Yes. Really glad for him. C- Caleb Grill again. Oh, man, oh, man. You know what I've noticed about Caleb Grill that I didn't give him credit for? I thought he was a one-trick pony. He's a shooter. He's a shooter, right? Yeah. Play defense. Yeah. He'll guard you. He's got a lot of athleticism, more yeah, athleticism than I thought. Yeah. Certainly his freshman year, there's more to his game. Yeah, he is not just that spot-up shooter and that's all he can do. Right. There's more to mm-hmm. his game, and that's got to be exciting Certainly going forward, having him for another couple of seasons. Didn't get anything. Goons, nothing. Yeah. Condit, who after he'd been yeah, playing well. That's true. And you're hoping, look, you're not looking for double-digit scoring every night from George Condit. No. But if he can get you six points and eight rebounds. Yeah. But he did. I thought he did what he was. You know, he normally does. He wasn't, he wasn't a liability last night. The story to me, though, was David McCormick. He showed up. Trent. But he, he shows miss. up. Kansas is great. But he doesn't. Yeah. Kansas stinks. And they were letting him take that 8, 10, 12-footer. And he was splashing he was it making in. Him. And Dwan Harris. Where did that guy? come from? Yeah. <laughs> and he throw up your ears. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, yeah, it's Kansas. Mm-hmm. They have guys like this just sitting around. Yes, the who I thought was pretty good. He was good. <laughs> he's, 
He likes to get a shot, though. Yeah. Well, did you see the the locker room after the game? Uh, I saw it on Twitter. The Kansas locker room after the game, and they would give out game balls. But if they would have, I mean, self uh, self praised everybody. But this guy won the game for us, and it was Joseph Yesifu. So uh, good to see him get, getting his moment. Uh, sadly, at the expense of Iowa State, it was just one of those games, right? Mm-hmm. They just couldn't make a shot, and um, they're they're go- it's going it's going to happen with this with this team, unfortunately. No Abaji, no Remy Martin, yeah, neither one of them, and they still come in and get the win. Trent Kansas turned the ball over sixteen times in the first half. And went to the locker room up six. Can't happen. Right? It just it can't 16 happen. turnovers in the first 20 minutes. And they go in the locker room with six-point lead. What's the heights this Iowa State team can hit? I think they've hit it. The start was yeah. the highest point. I think they're like a lot of teams in the Big 12. There's, there's a couple that are really good at the top. We saw one last night. I don't know if they're Kansas good. But with Agbaji and Remy Martin in there, they they're they're, they're certainly better. Boy, that that uh, Texas Texas Tech tilt, yes, that was something. That was an environment. Huh? Oh my God, that was an environment. But back to your original question, Iowa State can be a you know five hundred team mm-hmm. in, in conference, six seven seed in the NCAA six, tournament, six seven seed, and and you know what? With the right path, you can get to a Sweet Sixteen. A team that won two games that last year. <laughs> two and 22. Two and 20 and winless in conference play. They've already bagged three of them. They'll get some more wins in the conference. But they're going to have nights like that where they just don't have secondary scoring. Yeah. Trey Jackson was that guy last night to an extent. Brockington didn't have his best shooting night. But, um, uh, Kansas was just better. We'll take a timeout. Shelby Mast will join us. We do have another $1,000 slam dunk that's going to come your way and do so right now. Go to KXNO.com. Once you get there, enter the keyword Bills. That's Bills at KXNO.com. Your chance to win $1,000. We're joined next by Shelby Mass, BracketWag.com, uh, employment attorney uh, Nate Bolton will join us. Uh, Senator Nate Bolton will join us about 1045 on the Flores lawsuit. Cappy at 1105, Mitch Holtis at 1130, Miller and Condon are on Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 in West Des Moines. Back to Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Trent Condon, Ken Miller, Nate Bolton uh, on the Brian Flores lawsuit coming up in about 15 minutes. Right now, he's our bracketologist. He's Gannett's bracketologist. He shall be masked. Bracketwag.com. Hello, Shelby Mast. Trent and Ken, how are you? Doing good. How about you guys? Well, Shelby, I know you're a Duke fan, and I was looking forward to looking ahead to the weekend schedule, trying to figure out, you know, like this is appointment TV, this that, and it's Duke North Carolina this week, and I know the season, the the regular season, the curtain comes down with that matchup again. Man, I long for this to be a rivalry again with these two schools on equal footing going toe-to-toe for 40 or 45 or 50, whatever it ends up being minutes. But don't you miss North Carolina Duke being relevant, Shelby? Yeah, I do. It's usually a pretty good game no matter where they're ranked or not ranked or whatever, but it it loses something when they're both not up there. Speaking of the Dukies, the advanced metrics – 
don't love this team. And a part of it, I think, is the down ACC this year. Losses to Miami, Florida State, and the non-conference against Ohio State. They got a top-five draft pick at minimum in Banchero. But your thoughts on this Duke team, just how good they are and why maybe the metrics aren't up there with what some people believe about this Blue Devil team? Well, I think you're right about the metrics being on them because the ACC is down. and That's not their fault. That's just the luck of the draw. Uh, I think they're a good team. I don't know if they can win it all, but they have the right pieces. They've got a big guy in the middle that they haven't had in a long time. And they've got good guard play. So, and this being Coach K's last year, there could be something there. I'll be surprised if they go real far, uh, but they have the potential, potential to. Shelby, I want to ask you about the Hawkeyes, who had a, uh, a disappointing loss. So granted, double overtime, but still on the road at Penn State. They're in Columbus to take on the Buckeyes tomorrow night in what's going to be a tough spot as well. They finished their last two games are both on the road at Michigan and at Illinois. Neither one of them picnics. I know we're speculating here, but right now they're a nine seed. Um, how close do you think? Are they teetering? Are they on the brink of, you know, just uh, of going the wrong way and, and falling out of your bracket? They are pretty close. Uh, the net is a funny thing, and then due to results last night, they now have two top 50 wins or quad one wins. They didn't have that yesterday. So that helped. You see other teams move up and down, and, and so they lucked into that kind of. Uh, I think if they get get some good wins, they they're gonna have to beat somebody good. You know, right now Indiana is the best on their schedule that they've beaten. I don't think that's gonna do it. They've got uh, a few games. Michigan State at home that would be a big win. Uh, don't lose the road games or the home games that you should win, and pick up one or two on the road. And I think they'll be all right. Just kind of avoid those bad losses along with it. And the crazy thing is, so you mentioned the net, and I think it's certainly an advancement from the old RPI system. We don't know exactly what goes into it. We know efficiency is a part, but the cutoff. A road win against Duke is the same as a road win against, what, a top 75 team like Toledo right now. I mean, it just isn't there a way to separate even further than they do? And you don't want to have, what, six, eight quads, anything like that. But all of those quad one wins aren't created equal. Is there a better way to do this? I, I don't know. There probably is, but there is, they're not going to make a perfect system. They've got – they break it down as far as quad one. Uh, a road win versus a top 75 is good, but a top 40 is better. Mm-hmm. So they do have it broken okay. down with squads, um, but it's still not perfect. And I just don't know how it can be a perfect system when you have artificial intelligence and then humans making the pick uh, in the in the committee room. I uh, want to go last night. Iowa State fell to Kansas at home. Kansas is a good basketball team, although they didn't have Agbaji and they didn't have Remy Martin, and they still uh, were able to get by Iowa State. Iowa State, we wake up this morning, you have them on the five line. Shelby, if they tread water, and I think that's probably what this team is going to do in a very competitive Big 12, you know, if they tread water, go 500 the rest of the way, there's really, I don't think, a bad loss. Uh, in, in in the conference, maybe K-State marching into Ames and winning. If they do, that might be considered one. But if they tread water, where do you see them 
Is this a five, a six, a seven? What's worst case scenario for Iowa State? Probably you're looking at that in that eight, nine game. Because if they tread water, depending on who the wins are against and the losses are against, that's going to give them, what they get, 12 games left, and give them you know, six, six more losses, that'd be a 12. That's kind of a big number, but not for the big 12. Uh, I could see them being in the 8-9 game, depending on how the team do. Shelby, uh, going through the Big 12 here, there's a continued conversation of eight teams getting in from the Big 12. Of course, we know Oklahoma State not eligible play in the NCAA tournament this year, but is that still a realistic possibility, or are the dreams of an eight-bid league uh, for the Big 12 this year kind of off the table? Uh, I think it's viable right now, but I don't think it will be by the the time of uh, March Madness rolls around. West Virginia is kind of slumping right now, mm-hmm. and all it takes is one team to lose mm-hmm. multiple games, and that ends that, that speculation of that. I, I got a feeling that West Virginia and Oklahoma are going to be uh, really watching Constellation on Sunday. Historical note here, Shelby, I don't know if you know it offhand. I know we've seen teams with losing conference records that have got to the NCAA tournament before, but if my memory serves, it's usually you know an 8-10. and 10. Or a seven and nine back when we were playing sixteen conference games, pretty much across the board. Could you anticipate, say, a Big Twelve team at seven and eleven, but has the other metrics getting in, or is that a hill too far? It might be. It, from year to year, it changes. It depends on how deep the teams are, the the at large pool. Uh, I think this year it might be a little better because I've eliminated a lot of teams, but there's still some good teams out there. Uh, 7 11 is going to be tough. Gotcha. That'll be tough. But it's the Big 12, so they're going to all be good losses. Shelby, I want to ask you about the uh, speaking of staying in that conference because it's it's really moving the needle uh, this year, at least at least my personal uh, viewing needle. Watching Texas Tech in Texas last night, just that environment. Uh, I mean, I don't think Texas Tech, they had no way. I mean, Texas just had no chance walking into that building last night. Trent asked me yesterday. Is Texas Tech a team that can win a championship? And I paused because I didn't think that, and I wasn't convinced that they were, but watching them last night, they've really got some parts. This is a team who I think is, the arrow is clearly pointing up. You have them as we wake up this morning and you update your brackets each and every day. A three seed. What's their ceiling? What, how far can Texas Tech go? I think they can win it all. I don't know if they will or not, but, you know, with some right luck and good matchups, they've got the players. Uh, what hurts them, I think, is the head coach. Nothing against him, but he's inexperienced. Uh, and, you know, he's, coaches like that don't tend to do to, uh, Final Four worthy. You know, you see that every now and again, but he doesn't have that it factor yet. He may end up getting it down the road, but right now I just I think that would be holding them back. And again, that's not anything bad on him. It's just that's the nature of the beast. Go to the Missouri Valley here with you, Shelby Mass, joining us, our bracketologist. Loyola takes a loss to Drake. They get their second conference loss. Do they have to be perfect and then lose a game in the conference tournament, or can they still afford another loss, not win Arch Madness, and still get in? It's, that's going to be a tough one. Uh, I think they could, but if I was them, I wouldn't test that. 
uh, you know, the, the landscape, there's a lot of other teams out there that could prove to be, you know, somebody's going to get a hot February. They always do. They come up from nowhere and be in the bubble and shatter some team's dreams. Uh, I don't think it'll be Loyola Chicago, but they've got to be pretty close to perfect here on out. Shelby Mass, BracketWag.com. He updates his bracket each and every evening. Last night it was done at 11.15 and posted. And uh, every day, if you want up to the minute, brackets, BracketWag.com. Shelby will join us weekly now until Selection Sunday. Shelby, thank you. We will talk to you in a week. Appreciate it. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Shelby Mast. BracketWag.com is... We go inside the brackets. All right, we'll go inside the world of sports law. Nate Bolton will join us next, Hedberg and Bolton. Uh, He will uh, take a look uh, from a legal perspective on the Flores lawsuit and what could come from it as we take you until noon here. Cappy, David Kaplan kicks off the 11. Mitch Holtis puts a bow on the Chiefs season 1130. Miller and Condon are on Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 and wolfroofing.net. Hi, Miller Condon. Welcome back. Our final segment of the first hour of the program. Nate Bolton momentarily on the Brian Flores lawsuits. Hour number two, David Kaplan from Chicago. He will join us in Cherry and Stone of Iowa sponsors Cappy and then Mitch Holtis, the voice of the Kansas City Chief. He's Senator Nate Bolton, at least for, well, he's all the time, but he's busy being Senator Nate Bolton. Uh, as well as his other life, he's an employment attorney, Hedberg and Bolton, and he's our go-to guy when sports and law collide. And they certainly seem to have here, Nate Bolton. Uh, this Brian Flores lawsuit, there's so many, well, there's two main tentacles of it. Uh, it was not a good day for the NFL yesterday, in my opinion, when this dropped on him. How are you, Nate? I'm doing great. And, yeah, this is a, a really bad collision of sports and law for the NFL. Uh, I, it's hard to imagine much of a worse uh, set of facts coming into a, a, a big lawsuit with um, some really bad evidence already. And you just you wonder what else can be discovered as this thing moves. You know, the NFL is so big, and we've seen some scandals that have come through and not been able to rock the shield. This one (laughs) maybe can go further than that, starting on the surface level. If you're the lawyer for Brian Flores and the NFL comes back, yeah, we messed up, here's your money, go away. It doesn't feel like, at least on the surface, that's what Brian Flores is looking for here. When you're working with the client, you know, hey, they're going to come right Mm -hmm. away with the cash settlement, and they don't want that. How's that conversation go between a lawyer and a client? Well, I mean, the first thing is, in this case, you've got really strong, direct evidence, Mm -hmm. right? Like, this isn't Brian Flores has suspicion that this is, uh, you know, some nefarious things are happening. You have some very direct evidence of being himself personally offered $100,000 a game to to lose. That's horrible uh, evidence that he's going to have the ability to present directly himself. And then the, the Belichick tag mm-hmm. coming in saying, uh, by the way, you're not going to get the job you're going to interview Thursday because they've already hired someone. Right. Uh, this is a sham interview. I mean, those are two huge pieces of direct evidence. And you pair that with a client that, for all uh, observable, measurable ways, basically said no to $100,000 a game to lose games. 
It does not feel like it's about the money for him. It feels like it's about uh, a dream job that was taken away from him and a dream job that he's not going to get access to again, despite being openly con- supposedly considered for a number of positions. Um, you, you do feel like he's in it for the justice. Yeah, I, I certainly feel the same way, and and it's it's a class action lawsuit. So, Nate, help uh, mm-hmm. us um, non legal minds out. It, it's it seems to me like when I hear class action, and I get these emails all the time. I think everybody does, <laughs> right? right? Uh, if something right. happened to you, you may be uh, dot dot dot. So it means right. anybody can join this. I believe. Help me. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. So we may see Hugh Jackson, former coach of the Cleveland Browns. He's come out today, and he has said that the owner of, of the Browns, Jimmy Haslam. Uh, has said that, you know, apparently he tried to bribe um, him, uh, Jackson, to lose games. Do you anticipate there will be other coaches that come forward? And is this the term enjoin the lawsuit? Help me out. So, so yeah, so they would join the class. Um, join and, the class, gotcha. Uh, a, a key to a class action, you have to have an identifi- identifiable group of people with a common interest or a common harm. And here in the, the NFL, very easily you can identify minority coaches who have been included as part of the, the, the Rooney rule on all these interviews that now are very clearly um, not legitimate consideration in most cases. And you're going to find example after example of, of people being put on a list and, um, and, and not having a legit shot at a job. And that's that's going to be a problem. Uh, any more evidence of, of teams purposefully trying to lose games uh, is going to be a huge issue that's going to go well beyond the class and start getting into um, a whole bunch of other potential fraud fraud uh, claims. And, and that, that has a lot of tentacles that, that affect a lot of people outside of just the, the coaches. But the key element here, minority coaches that have interviewed for jobs are going to be a very identifiable class and – um, right now, when you only have one head coach in the NFL out of 32 teams that's a minority uh, coach, then then you're going to have a lot of people that I think are going to say, yeah, I think I was wronged too, based on what I'm I'm now learning about what this process has really been at the end of the day. The Rooney rule on the surface obviously makes a whole lot of sense, something that you would love to see, but you go through right. it here, interviewing minority candidates, but there's no hiring quota. I know quota, well, right. you're, you get to work in that space. You get to get into the weeds <laughs> right. on those kind of things. So right. what more can be done? It doesn't become as simple as that, that it's not an interviewing quota. It has to be a hiring quota to make the Rooney rule actually have some teeth. So the Rooney rule um, really felt like a, a good solution to kind of force the hand of teams to start considering minority coaches and start mm-hmm. rectifying this disproportionate thing where you have 70% of the league as minority athletes and zero to to five percent of the the league as minority coaches, right? Those numbers are out of whack and have been for a long time. So Rooney Rule feels like the NFL is trying to find a solution here of, of getting teams to give a shot to more minority uh, head coaching positions for um, for the long term, right? Uh, except for you do more harm than good when you have identified that you have a problem that needs a Rooney Rule, but now have basically baked it into into the institutional process that these are sham interviews. That's just a name on the list. Um, and, and there's a little bit of that um, back when you saw Art Shell basically on every uh, list of, of uh, coaching openings yep. because he was the 
the, the most recent black head coach in the league and clearly was not getting a shot at the job. It, this has been kind of bubbling under the surface for a while, but this, this Flores text exchange with Bill Belichick mm-hmm. makes it just so blatantly obvious that this was just a procedural hurdle, not a meaningful consideration of a head coach. So, Nate, when you've got a client and, and you're not going up, well, maybe you are, a, against a, a, a corporation, an entity like the mm-hmm. NFL, you know they're going to have a bunch of legal minds and they're going to throw everything at you, right? They are going to. Right. Um, and, and, and your client, I'm, I'm assuming that you have you know, gone over this and prepared your client. This is what you can expect because th- this isn't going to be just like a walk in the park and we'll get to a settlement right. or you're going to win. So there'll they'll come a point, I think, that the NFL is going to... I just don't see any other way that, around this. This is going to be awful for them. I think they're going to come for and, and, and try to settle. So as an attorney, when, you, when you're in that spot, when you know... Um, that your client's probably going to prevail in this thing, but the other side wants to, you know, just just make this thing go away. Uh, how how do you deal with that with the client? I mean, uh, ultimately, the client's going to make that decision. You just try to give them the best advice because this is what I think this will come to: is uh, let's right. just make this go away. Right, and the client's going to be always it's it's the client's claim, not the attorney's. Right, right. I right. I try to give the best advice I can. Um, and talk about potential remedies that can come from the legal process and how they compare to what is being offered in a settlement. But ultimately, the client's in, in charge of saying yes or no to, to a settlement. And I, my guess is if the NFL wants to, to settle with, with Flores in this class, it's not just going to be money. It's going to have to be some very serious institutional change mm-hmm. that um, will, will be far more than just now including a, a blackhead coach on, on the list of three, but actually showing some meaningful way that these coaches have a better shot at a job than just being on a list. And that, that that's going to be something that's going to have to be worked out between the parties. But I, I don't see any way that based on, on Flores' approach to this so far that they're going to get away with just a monetary settlement. Right. There's going to have to be some institutional remedy here. Got a quick question off this path. Can you good on this one? Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's uh, go from your lawyer hat. Let's go to the state senator hat. <laughs> Ken and I love mm-hmm. sports wagering, so we got a, a question there. <laughs> and the sure. question that still remains, prop bets for our in-state players when the next bill comes up. Is that something that he's even is going to get consideration? You can bet on you know the daily fantasy for other players outside of the state. You can do those things. But coming up next fall, can we get... Running back from Iowa State versus running back for Iowa prop bet. Who has most rushing yards? Are we going to get to that point? Or Petrus versus Decker? Right, yeah. Those right. kind of prop bets. Right. Is that coming, or are we still going to have to wait longer? I think it's unlikely in the in the near term. Um, I There was enough um, discussion about whether or not college athletes could be included in, in the fantasy sports end of things, and you'll notice that there was a year delay um, and college yep. athletes being eligible for fantasy sports that actually was, was my doing um, because I wanted to make sure our NCAA compliance departments were able to catch up to that mm-hmm. change coming, coming their way. Um, but th- that was something that I, I think a lot of people that voted for sports wagering really had the, the highest level of, of discomfort with was individual college athletes in the state of Iowa being uh, on the wager um, that that I think still is probably a little ways away from having enough support, and 
There's also just kind of a general cooling off period after a, a major change in gambling. Mm-hmm. Uh, people want to see how it works and then see where the adjustments need to happen. So I'm, I'm going to guess it's probably a little early for that to, that change to be made. But that that said, that bridge was slightly crossed there with college athlete fantasy sports. Um, I think some people thought it was already included um, in the bill that was already passed. So uh, my, my answer is stay tuned, but it seems like uh, this year or, or next year is too early for that, that change to happen. State Senator Nate Bolton, Hedberg and Bolton. He's an employment attorney. Full disclosure was my attorney as uh, we appreciate <laughs> The insight into the Brian Flores lawsuit and uh, what is next. And boy, oh boy, it was a bombshell drop. Nate, as always, thank you for doing this for us. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Nate Bolton, Hedberg and Bolton. Uh, We'll come back with David Kaplan, away from sports law, back into sports with Cappy. Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsors Miller and Condon. An hour to go on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO.